Welcome to In Him with Pastor Dan Wormuth of Joplin Family Worship Center, located on East 7th Street in Joplin, where they are passionate about sharing the freedom and forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. Now, here's Pastor Dan with this week's edition of In Him. So I want you to know that there are men of valor in this passage we're going to look at. And I want you to think about with me how there is, there are a people who choose to do great exploits because they know who their God uh, is. And so there are men of valor and then there is something called sacred gratitude. Men of honor, sacred gratitude in unrestrained worship. So we're going to go to 2 Samuel. We're going to look at chapter 23. I think is the moment where I'll say it. I was studying this passage of scripture and I felt just, you know, an unction to look at it in one of my Bibles, one of my other Bibles. And I opened that Bible up and in 2 Samuel 22, I have written along the edge of my Bible says the word of the Lord to Dan Dan. On February 24th, 2010. Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And it was a passage I was reading and the word of the Lord came to me and said, this was for you when you were in Afghanistan. You were going to be fighting and deployed. And if you read the song of David... Shikamoshai, don't pass it by, ladies and gentlemen. It's really good. There are some of the songs we've sung. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. That's in there. And then uh, a, a bunch of others as well. But I, was, I realized that you and I, listen, I love the electronic Bibles. I have one right here in front of me, and I enjoy the ease of grabbing up a whole bunch of other translations. But there's something about your own paper Bible. When you write down something God says to you or when the Lord spoke to you in a moment or when the Lord spoke to one of your family members or answering your prayer, that when you go back through that, that is a treasure. That is, that is, that is a reminder that God's word was then, his word is now, and his word will be then when I get there. Uh, in my future. It'll be there because it's the same yesterday, today, and forever, meaning the Word of God is right now in eternity and here for us. And so I was just, I was celebrating. And that word, give thanks, uh, in chapter 22, verse 50 says, Therefore I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles, and I will sing your praises. Or I will, I, sorry, I sing praises to your name. And that word, give thanks, is yada, to extend a hand. And to sing praises to Zara, which means to actually sing out. And you talked about how you worship the Lord when you were deployed. And so just this morning, I, I want you to understand is that there, God is going to give you a word for your life and for other people's lives. And you need to mark that somewhere in your, in your Bible because an, an EMP would destroy everything you have in your electronic device for the, for the people who like to study that kind of stuff. Verse 8. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Josheb, 
Bathsheba of Tachmanite. He was the chief among the captains. He was called Adino the Esnite because he had killed 800 men at one time. Can someone say SEAL Team 6? Special Forces. Can someone say Bodyguard of the Bodyguards? And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahorite, one of the three mighty men of David, when they, def- um, when they um, defied the Philistines who had gathered there for battle and the men of Israel had retreated, he rose and he attacked the Philistines until his hand was so heavy and, and it, stuck, his, it stuck to his sword, meaning that the muscle had been grasped on his sword so hard that he could not even let go at the end of the day because of his battle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Lord brought about a great victory that day and the, and the people returned after him only to plunder. Can I stop for a second? Verse, verse 10 right there is saying to you and me that there are some people who when the battle gets really hot and, a, and all the folk withdraw and start pulling away, there are men like this who walk right up into that middle of where the enemy are and they fight the battle until it's done. And then when the people gather to come back, they don't even fight. All they do is come to help with the plunder. I'm talking about two mighty men of valor so far. Are there any mighty men of valor in the house? Are there any women of valor? Well, they're louder than you men today, so you need to get with it. Then after him was Shammah, or Shammah. And he's the son of Agi, the Herite. And the Philistines had gathered together into this troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. And so the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field. He defended it and he killed the Philistines so that the Lord brought about a great victory. Sometimes just for a sake of a field of lentils, a man has the unction to come upon him. And I'd like to see if there'd be some women who would let the Spirit of the Lord come upon them and stand when the enemy comes. And you know, today, there is a very physical situation like this happening in the Middle East. But even spiritually, you and I are living in times where we need to be mighty men and women of valor. Who when the enemy comes and others are withdrawing, someone steps up and says, Not today, Satan, on my watch. Not today, Satan, not on my watch. These three of the 30 chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. I'm in verse 13. And the troop of Philistines had encamped in the valley of Rephaim. And David was there. He was then in the stronghold and, uh, and the garrison of the Philistines was in Bethlehem. Now, if you understand, David is from Bethlehem. This is his hometown. And the Philistines have overtaken it and are uh, camped out there. And they are fighting in their war against Israel from David's hometown. And David said with longing, someone just pause with me a second. Have you ever said something out of a deep longing? 
Oh, Lord, that you would show up in such a way that men cannot comprehend the greatness and the awe and the wonder of your presence. And they have to write a new definition for an encounter with the living God. Oh, Lord, that you would show up, whatever that situation is for your child, for your loved one, for your family, for someone. And with longing, he says, oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Not just any well in Bethlehem. There was a particular one that he used to drink from. So the three mighty men who I just talked about broke through the camp of the Philistines. They drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate. See, there was, there's one that's up on the northern side of Bethlehem where they can draw water from. There's one down by where the gate is. And it had been easier to get to the one on the north end, but he said to one by the gate. And so that's what they did. They went and they broke through and they took it and then they brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it. But he poured it out to the Lord. In Genesis chapter 35, verse 14, Jacob was on his way. He's fleeing his brother, who is very angry with him. Jacob has deceived his father and gotten the blessing. And the blessing can only be given. It can't be retracted. And so he's, he's gotten it by deception. And he's getting out of Dodge. Are you hearing me? And he's on his way to his, his mother's uncle's house. And so on his way to see Laban and on his way, he stops at a, a place where there had been a city. It was the ancient city of Luz. And he stays there the night and he puts his head on a, a rock and he's just camping out under the stars and he has an encounter with God. And there is a, these ladder like steps going up into heaven and he sees angels descending and ascending or ascending and descending. And they are doing the work of the Lord. And he has this encounter with God and it wakes him up. It is so moving. It is such an encounter that he gets up on his feet and he sets the stone up like a pillar and he pulls out the only thing he has to offer to the Lord. The Bible says it's his wine and his oil which is to help him on the journey, feed him, sustain him. If he gets scratched or cut, the wine can, can purify the wound. If it's, if then after it's clean, he can put the oil on to try to keep the dirt out. The oil could be used for cooking. If he's going to try to cook something, the only thing he has is wine and oil. And he pours out what he has in scarcity on the rock before the Lord. And he declares that this is the hearth or house of God. And he calls it Bethel. I want you to see that from early in Genesis, we, we see where a drink offering is offered uh, before the Lord as a, as a worship, as a gift to him. And so he poured it out also again in Exodus 29 uh, and in Leviticus 23 and in Numbers 6 and 15 and 28 and First and Second Chronicles, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. There, there is the institution of a drink offering. Whenever you bring your lamb or your bullock or, or a goat, whatever you're bringing as your sacrifice, what was to be offered with the meat was drink and grain. It's a complete meal for the Lord. 
So they would offer the sacrifice before the Lord. And according to the size of the animal, a certain measure of the drink offering, wine was to be poured out and grain was to be put there. I just want you to see that these elements here um, have had um, in David's understanding a, a, a relation to worship unto the Lord. And it's poured out to him whenever that, that lamb is, is sacrificed. And so the Lord would receive it. The Bible says morning and night, a drink offering and grain offering was offered to the Lord. In other words, the Lord wants and longs for fellowship with you. What might happen if you came and poured out a drink offering of your tears to the Lord in the morning and just worshiped him and poured out the oil of your, of your gratitude and your thanksgiving? Morning and evening it was poured out before the Lord. In Joel chapter 2, verses 13 through 14, the word of the Lord came to him, and this was the word of the Lord to Israel. It said, do not rend your, your garments but rend your hearts. Stop, stop tearing your clothes as if to tell everybody I'm sorry again. Rend your heart. The Lord was saying, return to me. Return to the Lord who is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, who leaves a blessing behind, even for a grain and a drink offering. You don't have a bull. You don't have a goat. You don't have a lamb to offer. That's okay. The Lord wants to know that if you offer him a drink offering and a grain offering, if you pour that out before him, he will receive it and he will leave a blessing behind him when he departs from his fellowship with you, which is so clued in and you had no idea of this message with what you were sharing already this morning. As you were singing that song, Tasia, I stood there thinking, I, I didn't choose that song. I didn't choose the songs that were sung in the worship today. And yet I felt like the, the anointing of the Lord was preparing the way for this message today. As you and I look at the actions of these leaders right here in 2 Samuel chapter 23, it really affords you and me a, an example, the application of the working knowledge of how God responds to the sacred Say the word sacred with me, just sacred. We live in such times where the sacred is profoundly mocked. Some people have expressed what is sacred and it's not. Some people have tried to present sacred in ornamentation. And the Lord would prefer a heart that was rended than garments that were ornate or torn. David saw the Lord as being present in all of his life's events. He saw the sacred in the actions of the men that we read about just a moment ago who loved him and the God of Judah and Israel. So I want to look at that one more time in that verse says that the mighty men broke through the camp and the Philistines and they went to the, the well that was by the gate and they took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but he poured it out to the Lord. Why? Says here his words. And he said, far be it from me, O Lord. 
He hears the question, why are you doing this? But he responds to the Lord because he understands by pouring this out, he's entering into sacred gratitude and an unrelenting worship. Oh Lord, that I should do this. Is it not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by these three great and mighty men. The Bible goes on to talk about other men like them and how they served and what they did, how they killed and destroyed the enemies of Israel. But in this moment of this passage, as I was seeking the Lord for this morning, I believe what I heard the Lord say is that he wants us to acknowledge the valor of men and women who are doing great exploits. He wants us to acknowledge that. That's honor. But I want you to see that there was no selfishness in the heart of David. See, David did as, as David is sometimes, we vocalize our wishes and our desires. And, and those who've run the race with us or fought the good fight with us and shared our sorrows and our victories, they respond to our words with their actions. And David didn't ask anyone to risk their lives to go get that water for him. Uh, and it was the longing of his heart. He desired to drink from that well. Yet they responded to those words that came out of his mouth And it becomes one of the greatest lessons for you and I to embrace as we step into Thanksgiving week. See, they had been engaged in that practical, prolonged, protracted warfare, and they were tired. He was thirsty for more than just water. He desired to be in the place where he had been raised as a child, where there was one safety and protection where there was comfort. Have you ever drank distilled water? It's hard to tell there's even anything in your mouth when you drink distilled water. I'm going to try this out over here. There are times where I have drank water that is so empty of anything nutritional There are no electrolytes. There's no minerals in it. There's there's nothing. They have zapped it and what? It leaves you drier. In fact, you could keep drinking that kind of water and dehydrate because you're not getting the electrolytes that you need. Do you have water from different places that you like to drink? I like San Pellegrino water. It's a mineral water. It's it's fuzzy, you know, it has, it's got, what do you call that? Carbonation in it. Thank you. I don't like Perrier. I'll drink it if I need to, but I don't care for it. Why? I don't know. But there's something about San Pellegrino. Then I, I found another water that I liked. It comes from Spain. I was at the health store and I, they had this bottle of water and it said from Spain and it's fuzzy. It's got, you know, electrolytes and stuff. And I said, I'll try that. I took it home. I tried it. 
I went back right away before the day was over and bought a whole case of it. It was pleasant. You could taste it. It had substance to it. Are you hearing me? I was in the Carpathian Mountains. Do you know where the Carpathians are? It's, it's in the area where Romania and Hungary is. Um, Vlad the Impaler was in that region and area. So uh, I just tell you, the, there is this one area in this mountain that we were, we were there visiting and ministering uh, with um, Bishop Nathan. And while we were there, they told us that there's a well that produces water that people go up every weekend and get gallons and gallons of it and take it home and they drink it through the week, that the certain content of the minerals is healing to digestive issues and kidneys. I thought, wow, that's interesting. I I wouldn't have any problems with my kidneys, but we just decided we're going to go check out the water. And so we went to it and we got up in that area and there it is. I mean, they have multiple wells, but they got this one right there alongside the road and you pull in your vehicle and you park and it's coming right up out of the ground. And as it was coming out of the ground, I was looking at it and I thought, that's not very clear. It wasn't clear water. In fact, it was on the 1% 1% milk kind of opaque, like, look, are you hearing me? And as I got closer to it, these people are just, I mean, they're filling their, their containers and they're so happy and they're talking to each other and they're putting it in their vehicles. And, and so we're next in line and we, we didn't have any containers. So we just decided to take our hands and cup it. And so I did this and I went to cup it and taste it. And I started to say, Jesus, not like God bless you, but Jesus like, protect me. Are you hearing me? There was the smell of um, sulfur in it. I thought to myself, somebody lied to these people and said, it's good for your kidneys. It'll kill your taste buds. Are you hearing me? I'm drinking it. <sighs> Bishop was trying to drink some. and So I'm a, I got to figure out why. And so I tried some more. You know me. So, really? Okay. In the name of the Father, Son, and now let's do the Holy Ghost. So I tried it again, and I still did not like it. I'm so glad we had no containers to take any back with us. But they said it was really good for certain situations where maybe people had um, a lack of minerals or certain uh, um, components in their body and they needed it for whatever. All I can say is that. I do not long to go back there and drink that water. But there were wells in Michigan that we used to go and drink from the artesian wells, water that was coming out of the aquifer, and it would come out so cold, uh, and you would go to drink it, and, and they would just be along the road, along the ways. They just had them as free wells of water you could just go to and get it as you wanted to. So there are places I've been where the water tasted amazing. And I'm thinking about David right here. His, his desire for that water, it was a well water. It was deep. It, was, it sustained the monks today, our guardians of that well. And water is still drawn from it. I thought to myself, man, in the midst of a, a lot of battle and pro attracted warfare and just exhausted and wishing that this was all done out of his mouth just came, Oh, to drink from the water 
of the well in Bethlehem by the gate. David wasn't expecting, I don't know why, because he had seen the way these men lived their lives. But these three men looked at each other when they heard that. And whenever David left their presence, they decided to get up and go because David didn't know they were going or he would have stopped them. We know that by the way he responded to what they did. He got the wa- they got the water, they brought it back. When you're in a protracted warfare, I'm going to help somebody here. When you're in a protracted time of trying to find your breakthrough, when you feel like you're in a time of great struggle, those who are for you and with you may hear something come out your mouth and even want to respond to it. They did. But he placed greater value on the lives of the men who did the extraordinary feat of bravery and for their love for him, their king. He put more value on them and their lives than he did on his longing to taste the water that would refresh the memory. I mean, you know and I know one drink of water will not last the whole day. There's something more here. David saw the moment. Worship and praise to God, the God of Israel, had always been first place in David's life. So he pours out this water on the ground. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. David understood he wasn't wasting it, nor was he diminishing their efforts. He knew that the Lord owned the earth. And so he took that moment and saw the earth. This will be my altar, the earth. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. And he pours it out and the water's being absorbed by the ground. It's dry and parched. And Jehovah was lifted uh, above the needs and wants and desires of David. This is something I need you to think about. Maybe you should write this down. When your worship, when your worship is happening, David right here lifted Jehovah above his own needs and his own desires and his own wants. David did not take advantage of their threats of life being lost. He saw that as such an opportunity to worship the Lord. Remember, David would not offer sacrifices that were not his, that he had not purchased. So in this moment, he lifted Jehovah above his own needs. Should I, um, here's the paradigm. I have needs, you have needs, you have wants, you have desires. There are things you need. You need shelter, you need food, you need clothing, you need affection, you need love. Those, those are legitimate needs that God has given us. And they're from the Lord. It's wired into our our, our personhood. We are a triune being, spirit, soul, and body. So David wasn't denying that those are important. He elevated them by lifting Jesus, well, I should say Jehovah in this moment, above his own needs in order that these men could see that his desire being met was not more important than their lives that had been under threat. 
Thank you for listening to In Him with Pastor Dan Wormuth of Joplin Family Worship Center. Listen to this broadcast again at KNEO.org. You can also download a podcast version of today's message by searching KNEO on iTunes. Joplin Family Worship Center is located on East 7th Street in Joplin and has ministries for all ages. They invite you to join them this week for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Find out more at jfwc.org or facebook.com slash Joplin Family Worship Center. Follow Pastor Dan on Twitter at Daniel H. Wormuth. Thank you for listening. And remember, in Him, you are free.